Welcome back to Never Have I Ever Hosted a Podcast. I'm Danny, And I'm Clara. And today we will be discussing the fourth episode titled Never Have I Ever Felt Super Indian, written by Mindy Kaling and directed by Linda Mendoza. And before we get started diving in too deep, we will, of course, let the show tell us what this episode is about. Are you Princess Jasmine? No, but thank you. She's very beautiful. Ariel's prettier. Where's Aladdin? I don't have an Aladdin, because he just wants to be friends. Okay. <laughs> can I have two black coffees and one large hot chocolate? But can you write latte on the cup? I want people to take me seriously. Uh, can my daughter get a photo with you? Oh, you look so amazing. No, thanks. Oh, she'd really love to put it on her Instagram. Fuck so I feel like Davey actually really would drink home coffee. right now in my choice of clothing. I mean, usually I don't, but especially today. She's just a little girl. Okay, sir, you don't have to say it like that. I just don't want to take a photo. Also, why do we have to commemorate everything on social media? Hmm? Why can't we just live in the moment? You were on Twitter the entire time you were in line. You tweeted Creeper. a thank you to a Target ad mm -hmm. telling you to have a happy Labor Day. Fine, let's just take the photo. Do you want any donuts with that? Yeah, Ira, I do. But I'm fasting today. Oh. Is it Ramadan? No, it's not, Ira. Today is Ganesh Puja. All right. Well, firstly, I just want to say, yay, the show's been renewed for a season two. Woohoo! Woo! It really set our day off right. And it also happens to be my best friend Aaron's birthday, even though everyone will be hearing this episode next week. But it's still awesome that we happen to be recording today. So, Clara, what did you think of this episode? I really liked it. And again, like, I think we talked about this last time, but like the first two episodes really lean into how funny they are. And as the show gets deeper in, we get deeper into deep issues. Wow, I sound like an idiot, but <laughs> you know what I mean. So, I, I mean, I really like this episode, and I think you and I especially, like, we've talked a lot over the years over our friendship about, like, being bicultural, and mm -hmm. we both experience that in a very different way than Davey does, but for me, I just really love seeing an episode of TV that is about that and where we get to sort of explore that. Yeah, this is an episode that I didn't relate to too much altogether, um, but I actually really loved that. Although I definitely know some of the identity issues that she is facing. Hmm. I've never tried to kid myself past ninth grade that I was capable of an Ivy League education, so I didn't have to worry about that. <laughs> Although I was told all the way up till middle school that I could go to Harvard if I tried. Why are people telling middle school kids where they should go to no, college? No, it was actually before. It was before middle school. It was all the way up oh to middle God. school. Oh, not up to, not up through. Shit. Yeah, so like nine-year-old Danny was like, you should go to Harvard. And I was like, fuck yeah, Elle Woods went to Harvard. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she did. <laughs> so besides that, I, I did identify with her when she said she wasn't Indian enough for the Indian kids and too Indian for everyone else. It's definitely different for me in that I'm biracial, but it's something that people with a biracial identity feel quite a bit, and that's a lot to unpack, so I think we'll get into it later in the episode. That being said, I loved hearing Davy's story about all of this, seeing more of her culture and where she fits in with the world. I absolutely loved getting to see more of Nalini and Kamala because I feel like we don't get enough of them. And they were all feeling a bit uncomfortable and like they didn't quite belong there. Kamala with her issues with her impending arranged marriage and Nalini having lost her husband and this being the first event that she has to face the others. It really just shows where they are at in this journey as people. And I loved that this episode was different in a way. It's kind of like a bottle episode in that it really gives us an insight into Davy's family and we haven't really gotten to that point. Um... It really feels like a tipping point, though, for a lot of Indian viewers. I've read from different Indian mm. voices that this is the episode where people decide whether they like the show or not. I'm going to be interested to hear more about that from you. Sort of alluded to this, but like I also related to that experience of being, like in my case, too Jewish and not Jewish enough at the same time. My dad's the Jewish one, not my mom, which means that to a lot of other Jewish people, I don't count. Mm -hmm. um, even like my uncle once said at a family gathering right after I was talking about how awful it felt to be dismissed as Jewish by other Jews. He was like, yeah, you're not Jewish. And then I said, 
something uh, not very kind to him in Yiddish, and uh, there's a long story there that I won't get into. <laughs> but also, like, at the same time, like, I went to college in the South, and mm-hmm. where I was, I was one of eight Jews at my college. The town itself had only one synagogue. It served everyone from Orthodox Jews to Messianic Jews, who you might know as Jews for Jesus. Um, and Jerry Falwell once went up to my Jewish roommate when she was eating with a bunch of friends at Sonic, like on Sunday. So I guess he was there after church and just like straight up told her out of nowhere, they had not been in a conversation before. She'd just been like living her life that she was going to hell for being Jewish. So (laughs) I really relate to the complicated feelings that Davey expresses about being Indian in this episode. Like it's, I think that feeling of like being between two worlds, no matter where it comes from, like there's a certain amount of that that you get for any kind of bicultural or biracial or by whatever experience. Exactly. I asked a few Indian people I know who liked the show, how they felt about this episode, because obviously we are not Indian. So it's hard to speak too much to this episode. I want to get through our thoughts on this episode before we get into that, but it's really important that we do. We We wanted to have guests for this episode, but unfortunately it didn't pan out. So the first thing I want to talk about is the Princess Jasmine scene when Davy is grabbing coffee. It honestly really pissed me off, and I definitely Mm -hmm. know that that happens to people. And I just wish that people would not enable their children to be assets. Like, instead of letting her do that, take a moment to tell your child that it's rude and that they shouldn't do it. And then afterwards, the barista assumes she's fasting because of Ramadan. I wish people would just ask, what are you celebrating? Or what are you fasting for? Rather than just assume the holiday. What do you think, Clara? Well, first, let's talk about, like, the kid and her parents. Because, like, the kid learns to be an asshat from somewhere. And it's pretty clear where this kid learned to be an asshat from. I mean, I think the thing that, like, struck me the most was just the the complete lack of boundaries when it comes to dealing with a woman of color, right? Like, she says no, she gives, she, like, does it politely and gives a good reason, and they're just, they just, like, won't accept it. They're fucking rude, and they're like, no, my kid needs her Instagram photo, or her, like, cultural, in scare quotes, Instagram photo. Mm-hmm. As for the, like, barista assuming she's fasting because of Ramadan, like, I agree with you. It would be great just to, like, ask what people are celebrating or even just be like oh I'm sorry that must be hard because fasting sucks I've fasted before for Jewish holidays I never have (laughs) I was like I I did actually kind of there was a weird dissonance there though for me because I feel like growing up most of the other white people I knew only associated Indian culture with Hinduism and so it was kind of funny that he assumed she was Muslim mm-hmm. like a certain amount of educatedness that goes into that before he like steps in it yeah it there's so many different cultures yeah. and that's something that like I mean I didn't know until like super recently that there was like mm-hmm. like I knew there was multiple cultures but there's like a well, lot like when of she different reads the cultures. Wikipedia article to Paxton <laughs> yeah basically <laughs> We really get to see so much more of Nalini in this yeah. episode, and I love yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. She's such a savage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm convinced that she's a Capricorn, actually. Of course, you start liking her, so she has to have your sign. <laughs> I'm, I didn't start liking her. I've always liked her. No, I was, like, talking about it because I was talking, actually, to someone else who was making, like, some sort of astrology mm-hmm. post, but it was, like, for Tumblr. And so I, like, made signs for a lot of them and I was just like you know like I didn't for everybody and then so she wanted Nalini and Kamala signs and I was just like okay let me think about this and I ended up saying Capricorn for Nalini because she is pretty cynical and and like driven and she definitely has to be on her side and I think you're right I mean she is like what's that line I I wrote it down because it's one of my favorites I'm sorry that I'm like jumping ahead but it was don't waste your prayers on things like world peace that was definitely a Capricorn remark yeah I put her as a Capricorn and I settled on Kamala as a Sagittarius Mm -hmm. with much debate inside my head (laughs) But I also just, like, love the cadence in her voice whenever she cusses. It's like she's saving it for a special occasion, like, the way she says bitch. Yeah. Just anytime she says bitch, it's just like, oh, God, this is too good. It's uh, like Molly Weasley in the last Harry Potter book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think this 
episode is a huge glimpse into how much she is struggling with Mohan's mm. death and making face with people at public events. Yeah, absolutely. I can tell why she might not be super keen on going to them with the way the aunties are treating her. And you can really see how much her and Davy are actually alike. Um, they both really don't like to be pitied. Yeah, I, that struck me too, that, that like this is a moment where they're actually really similar um and it's you know it's funny because i don't think davy recognizes that even in this moment no one thing i i also was thinking of so i read this book earlier this year by an indian author it's called the um the henna artist by alka joshi and um she has this term in it for like the particular style of gossip that you you see from the aunties in that and that like I guess is very common or like the, the style of gossip that's like common in Indian culture. Um, and they referred to the people who were doing the gossip as gossip eaters. And I really, I really thought that was an interesting term. So like when I saw the aunties come on screen, like death eaters, well, I don't, I don't think it's quite like that. I don't, I mean, I, I can't <laughs> claim to understand enough about the culture to like know everything that that's supposed to mean. But I did think about, like, I thought about that term when I saw the aunties that like, Oh, they, they're gossip eaters. And then, uh, I don't know. I, it just sort of got me thinking about like all of the different ways that different cultures deal with gossip because it's like a thing everywhere. Like in Jewish culture, we have this concept of Lashon Hara, which means it's actually it's a like prohibition on sharing true gossip, like things that are actually true about somebody, not just like making things up unless you're doing it to help somebody. So like if you like it's it's considered a, a pretty big sin to like commit Lashon Hara and to like talk shit about somebody behind their back <laughs> even if it's true like even if it is like they have done something really bad i think one of the examples i saw was like had to do with murder <laughs> i was like that's kind of wild that's kind of wild that there's like all these different traditions around what makes gossip acceptable or not that is very interesting there's nothing specific in in the mexican culture about gossip i mean all the mexicans i know are pretty gossipy mm. I, I when I was growing up it would be like that like some people are really 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 bad at talking shit about others they'll like just like stare at you when they do it and it's like obvious that they're talking shit about you <laughs> except so many of them like don't realize that I was Mexican and I was like I don't fully understand Spanish but I can understand enough to know when you're calling me a bitch like mm -hmm. <laughs> oh that's the worst though so then we have Kamala, who I really feel I really feel for her in this episode. She's really wrestling inwardly about wanting to make her family happy and wanting to make herself happy. There's a lot coming at her, judgment and mm -hmm. seeing what it is like for the other woman who has been ousted by everyone. And it made me feel really sad for her because I can't imagine what that would feel like. That's something I'll never have to think about. And I feel like she already feels like she doesn't fit in much. Because it sounded like the thing that she is studying in school isn't normal for women to be studying in her culture. Well, I think I, I wasn't even sure if it's that like it's not a normal thing for women to be studying or if it's just like the expectation is that she's not serious about her studies, that like those are a thing that she does to pass the time until she gets married. But I definitely mm -hmm. think like the level of ambition that Kamala has is sort of unusual or surprising. And especially because outwardly like she's so Indian in so many other ways right like people see her as this like perfect Indian girl I mean Davy certainly does and um mm -hmm. Malini I think does as well right like I think there's a tension for her between that image of being the perfect Indian woman and how she actually feels which is complicated and like ambitious and <laughs> all those other things that she feels like aren't accepted by her culture but yeah, I really, like, I love this episode for that, like, getting to see that multi-generational, like, all those different generations of Indian women and how they're reacting. Like, I think that's what, right, that's what the show is fundamentally about. It's about the relationship between the Indian women in the show, um, despite the fact that, like, you know, Davy wants to pretend that it's all about sex. Uh, <laughs> there's a big part of it that's about those relationships. This is kind of like a side note about Kamala, but do they ever really mention, like, what side of the family she's actually from? Is she Nalini's family or Mohan's? I'm I'm not sure. I mean, they refer to Nalini as her aunt, but of course, 
well, both she'd be her aunt by marriage um, if uh, Kamala was re- related to Mohan, but also, right, auntie is a term that gets used for um, older Indian women, period, so it's a little unclear, but I think mm-hmm. my assumption is that she's related to Nalini because of the way that Nalini treats her. That feels like yeah. a real uh, blood relationship in a lot of ways. That's true, like, almost like it's, like, her second daughter (laughs) yeah like i feel like she feels i mean i think that's exactly she feels like she is her surrogate mother while kamala is in the united states yeah so i also really feel for davy in this episode Mm. and the things she wishes for when she's praying all the funny ones but then wanting her mom to be proud of her and wishing her dad was still alive those really punched me in the gut especially because just a few minutes later nalini says she's disappointing in her for blowing it with the college recruitment guy yeah though of course like i understand where nalini's coming from like she is so practical and just wants every like all of the good things for her daughter but also like that guy was a fucking douche we'll get to that (laughs) okay okay yeah i i agree with you though like I, i think wishing her dad was alive is obviously a gut punch but i think the one of like wanting her mom to be proud of her hit me more yeah it was really sweet, but that that just her having like the dad the like that one got to me, but I want to talk about the scene with the the white college recruitment guy. He's wow. very rude, very, very rude to Davy, um, and she definitely fires back at him while I agree that he's a complete asshole about their conversation. Unfortunately, he's not wrong. Your academic resume, even as padded as Davy's, is rarely enough to get you into a college system especially right out of high school, which is awful and crappy, but this college system is oversaturated right now because of how hard society tries to push people to go to college. And the sad thing is that the story about losing her dad would probably be the thing that would be the easiest to get her in. And I'm curious that now that she's dealt with that trauma a little bit more at the end of the season, if she might be willing to reconsider writing an essay about that for her college application. So I think you are right about the general, like, yes, just having perfect grades is not going to get you into an Ivy League. I think what pisses me off so much about that scene is the way that he makes it about her being Indian, right? Like, that yeah. her being Indian means that her good grades mean less. And, uh, yeah. Like, especially the thing that he said at the beginning, like, I can say this because I'm married to an Indian woman. Oh, yeah, that was oh, fucking awful. Yeah, I mean, you saw the, the like, text I sent you the other day <laughs> with my this guy I know who is, like, constantly saying, like, I can say offensive thing because I have a Mexican boyfriend. And just, like, that shit pisses me off so much. No, you can't, like, that doesn't make it less racist or more okay. Yeah. I really, that's one of the worst things that you can say. It's, like, automatically going to make me dismiss you. Yeah, it's just about the same as saying, I'm not a racist, but. (laughs) Yeah. It's always the but. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So, anyway, he's a but. Big but. I do want to talk about um, Davy and Paxton for a brief moment before uh, we get into some more serious conversations. Uh... For one, I love that uh, when she's, like, kicking the locker, she has three chocolate milks on her dress. <laughs> she really wants to be taken she, seriously. <laughs> Did she write latte she really on her just... chocolate milks? <laughs> <laughs> I think she's the per- kind of person who would actually drink coffee. Like, I don't think she would drink coffee or, like, an Americano, but I feel like she would get a mocha for sure. <laughs> That's basically just um, hot chocolate anyway. With two shots of espresso, but... <laughs> <laughs> and she really wants a donut get a girl a donut mm-hmm. but for Paxton as much as I appreciate Paxton for saying you do you to Davy, something about it felt really standoffish and I think that's just him trying to be like chill and charming because he definitely meant well but something about it just didn't sit right with me like this is about her identity, and she's having a bit of a crisis, and she really shouldn't be written off that quickly. Although he does seem to have a way with making her smile, and it's something that she really needed at that moment, he's ever the charmer with an also, you look cool in that outfit. <laughs> I'm really curious to see Paxton, though, through the lens of other characters other than Davy. We see it briefly for Ben, and 
I'd like to see um, him from like Fabiola or like Eleanor's perspective because he's so idealized yeah. by Davy for so much of the season, which in all honesty isn't fair to him yeah, either. N- nobody wins when you put someone on a pedestal for sure. I actually, it's interesting that you say that. Like, I, I can understand what you mean, and especially like on a gender dimension, him being like, you know, just don't worry what other people think does not work. Mm-hmm. But I did, like, I did find it interesting. I think it was probably good for her to hear that from him because he's biracial. And it's like, True. I think he probably has similar, maybe his pressures aren't similar, but like, he will have experienced something. They have some line of connection there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's interesting. It's an interesting take. I am. He is very like be chill all the time. That's his solution to everything. He is be chill. I don't think like he does it intentionally, and I don't think he meant any harm by his comments. I, it just felt really just kind of like a little thoughtless, dismissive. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I'd be interested to see him through Fabiola or Eleanor's eyes as more than just a sex object. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. There's also this conversation that I wanted to talk about, the one that she has with her friend who goes to Stanford, who's yes. back uh, for the celebration. And I found their conversation. Malik, Malik. I, I didn't quite catch his name. But. Yeah, I didn't catch his name either, even though I've seen it a couple times. Um, I found their conversation to be really interesting because it really shows two different sides of feeling like you belong. He realized while away how lame it is to hate on your culture and feel embarrassed by it. And he, But he's kind of mean to Davy about it, though. In that he says to her, I just thought, am I going to be this insecure Indian guy who hates doing Indian things? Because that's its own identity, but it's a shitty one. She instantly gets defensive, and I feel like for a good reason. And I mean, he's graduated and gone off to college, so he's able to come to terms in a way that I feel like Davy isn't ready for. Everyone's figuring out their identity in high school, and I'm sure she will see how beautiful her culture is one day and celebrate it without issue from having read Mindy's books and following her over the years. I know she has also struggled with feeling like she belonged. Mm. She was like a true black sheep because she loved comedy and wanted to pursue it, which is definitely not the norm. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, I find it a little funny that you, you think that comment was mean to Davy because it wasn't about her, right? Like that was him talking about him and she does get defensive but I feel like that's right. Like that is her seeing herself in that comment in a way that she doesn't like. Right. But he also kind of gave her this knowing look because they had been having a conversation and that's what it ends on. I mean, maybe, but I also, I don't know. I felt like he was generally very nice to her. And I do I, like, I think the maybe like it's just a shitty one comment is, is maybe a little bit further than he needed to go. But I also like, I saw him as trying to like help her bridge that gap. Um, yeah. Yeah. I did find it as like an important moment, though, to just kind of show the the two different sides of of feeling that. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that this episode does really well in general. And and it's like going back to Kamala's storyline, like that's something that I felt they did a really great um, and respectful job of. Right. Like I've seen so many things, so many like older pop cultural things about Indian culture that like paint uh, arranged marriage as either 100% good or 100% bad. And honestly, since most mm-hmm. of the things I've seen are American, they usually paint it as like, oh my God, you're taking my freedoms. Um, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> and I think, my right. I think that this episode did such a great and nuanced job of handling that because it is a complicated issue. And it's not just about, like, there is an extent to which it's about pleasing your family, but it's also about feeling like you're part of a community and there's a lot of pressure involved in it. I was actually really curious what the deal was with Ron's wife, because clearly like she married somebody who is an Indian and that doesn't mean it wasn't arranged, but that would be unusual based on everything we've heard. So I kind of hope that we get to meet her and see how that situation is reconciled at some point in the season or in the series. I feel like it's always different when it comes to white people. Like, I feel like, oh, if they marry, like, a white man, like, it's a little bit different than if they were to marry, like, say, like, a black man or an Asian man. Hmm. You think that's just about, like, assimilation? But I, also, I also think he probably, assimilation for sure, um, wanting to fit in and be American. But I do think he, like, took on um, the culture he was receptive to it and he 
I think it sounded kind of like he converted. Mm, I think he. So it could be that. I don't know. That comment that he made. I mean, it's not real that he, it's not necessarily that he did convert, but it has that like, he might not have actually, but like, that's what he uh-huh. is pretending. I mean, he has a hyphenated last name. Too. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I want to go back to how I said earlier that I related to this episode mm-hmm. in not feeling exactly like I belong. I grew up biracial, Irish, Mexican slash Native American, um, but I wasn't Mexican enough for the Mexican kids at school, and I wasn't white enough to be white. I, of course, had tons of privilege, though, because of my skin's color. Um, granted, at the time, I never tried hard enough to get in touch with my Mexican, like, mm-hmm. heritage. I never felt like I belonged, and because I never felt too welcome, yeah. I stopped trying, and that's on me. Um, I've learned as an adult to like love that part of my heritage. Um, and I do love that they show how Davy's friend, you know, it changes. Yeah, yeah. He had a similar change in mind when it came to his Indian heritage, even if he was a butt about it. <laughs> I inc- agree to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredibly common in mixed race individuals to have low self-esteem. Yeah. I did a lot of reading on this while I was mapping this episode out because I wanted to see what smarter people had to say about it. Um, Apparently it's called racial imposter syndrome. It's a good name for it. One person said that it's like living at the intersection of different identities and cultures is like stumbling through a dark forest, Mm -hmm. which felt pretty accurate. I feel like the show that's also on Netflix, Dear White People, like explains a lot of this like really thoroughly. The TV show goes into how the lead character, she has problems with embracing her black side until she gets to college. And then she struggles with being half white, too, and kind of lies about it. And it's it's a huge thing. And her father, uh, the white parent, passes away and she has like all of these regrets. And she really comes to terms with a lot of stuff. And that kind of reminded me of Davy in a way mm-hmm. um but that show is it's really beautiful and i definitely recommend checking it out for so many reasons i honestly learned so much from that show that being said i think davy it's more of like she needs to find people who are like-minded to her mm. um she might not be making friends with actually actual indian people outside of cultural festivities because maybe she's not trying. Uh, she's a first-generation American, and a lot of the times they're most likely to feel the push and pull of wanting to be Indian, in her case, and being American. Yeah, so actually, I um, earlier, talk about more books that I've read. Earlier this year, I read um, it's a graphic novel called Good Talk by Mira Jacob, who is also second-generation Indian immigrant, so like born in America, but to, to Indian parents. Mm-hmm. And this episode reminded me a lot of some of the things that she talks about because there's a section where she goes back to India with her family and she talks sort of obliquely about like the ways that she kind of distances herself from her Indian heritage in part because she feels like her Indian family was rejecting her as American. Like they would sort of make fun of her for, you know, not being Indian enough. And then at the same time, like there was also, I don't know that we're the right people to fully get into this, but like one of the things that she talks about is she has darker skin her family like really revered light-skinned Indian people and I think like we sort of see a little bit a little bit about this with the way that like people treat Kamala and as opposed to like some of the other Indian women in the show but I definitely think that there's an aspect of that to Davy's experience of like I'm gonna reject this before it can reject me and she has that not just in her relationship to her Indianness, right? Like that is sort of a general defense mechanism that we see from Davy over and over and over again is that like when she likes somebody or wants to get close to them, but they like hurt her in any tiny little way, she pushes them way the fuck away. (laughs) And so I definitely think we're seeing some of that. The other thing that I kind of felt was interesting related to this is like Mm -hmm. the aunties are awful to everyone but sort of when they're awful to Nalini, she kind of takes it in stride. Like, she obviously hates it, but she kind of thinks of it as, like, ugh aunties. But the way Debbie experiences it is as the aunties rejecting her and, like, pushing her uh-huh. out, right? Like, they don't see her as good enough. And so she takes it really personally. 
And then, yeah, that same thing we were talking about with Ron, right? Like, that is a rejection of the other part of who she is, right? Like, she feels like yeah. she is a whole and interesting person, but people keep essentializing her, like, reducing her down to being Indian or not being Indian. And it's that, like, push pull and that like feeling split that I think I really like that quote that you said right like it feels like stumbling through a dark forest because <laughs> everywhere you go like I don't know there's trees pushing you away I don't know yeah as I said before I talked to a few Indian friends to get a consensus mm -hmm. on their feelings regarding this episode in particular if it was done right if they felt uncomfortable with anything I got an enormous amount of love back for the episode yeah. um, from most people that I spoke with. I, I'm going to talk about that just for like a little bit. In my group chat, the consensus was that while most of them are non-religious, they still keep up appearances for their parents when they are younger. None of them understood the reoccurring fountain joke. Does someone understand? Because please tell me. Do you understand the fountain joke? No, no. I mean, I assume it's an internal stereotype like we were talking about, like, bisexuals not being able to sit in chairs. <laughs> but I just thought it was funny that, like, every single person I talk to that's Indian, they're like, I don't know what they're talking about. I, one, of, one person said that they, it could have just been a joke because Indians love decorations in general. Oh, maybe. <laughs> and then a lot of them have also said that the, the Jasmine thing at the beginning has happened to them. It's worth noting that a lot of the people I talked to were under 25 and said that they related to Davy's struggle, but it's not universal. Some were half Indian and felt similar to me growing up, so definitely felt like they related to Davy. They felt that this episode is a very good example of cultural integration and how some people can be embarrassed by it. Yeah, and I think one thing I do want to point out too is, right, like you're talking mostly, you're talking to people who already like the show, right? I talked to mostly people who already yeah. liked the show. Um, I tried to get other people that didn't like it to kind of talk to me about it, but they didn't really want to. So that's fine. Yeah, yeah. But I just, I just want to like make sure that we put that out there that like there's probably other views from people who are not. Oh, there the is, show and, and, and I'll and talk about obsessed. it. Okay. Yeah, my friend Priya in particular said that although there are a lot of different Indian cultures, a lot of the episode was still relatable. And she said that the episode reminded her of how judgmental Indians can be if you grew up in a white cultured area and that she didn't mm. think Davy hated being Indian, but that she disliked the stereotypes that come with it, mm. but that she doesn't know herself and that she will eventually. She wasn't a fan of the Kamala storyline because at least from what she knows, arranged marriages aren't as common anymore. And the shunning, the other woman that was shunned from society oh yeah, yeah. Um, that it was more because she was older so she was an older generation than Kamala and she wasn't sure that the storyline though was sending the the right message that's mm. probably the most negative thing that I heard from people when I was that I was able to ask another friend though did say that arranged marriage isn't quite the same anymore but it's still frowned upon uh, to marry an outsider at least in India but that Western influence has changed a lot of it for the culture. Universally, they all loved the auntie scene and felt that it was very accurate. And I just wanted to give a voice to my Indian friends and acquaintances because this episode, as much as I can comment about how I, what I think about it, I really just wanted to know what they thought. And I wanted to see if the episode had sat right with them. Yeah, I appreciate you doing that. I'm kind of curious. So your friend who said that... She wasn't sure if it was sending the right message. Did she expand on that at all? She wasn't sure if it was sending the right message. And because of how much, like, I think Kamala is, like, at odds with it because it's it's mm. just not as common as a practice anymore. Okay. So you, you think she was, like, not sure that somebody would feel exactly the way that Kamala does? Yeah. Yeah. If you can, if she's willing to share more, I would love to hear. Maybe we can talk about that, like, next time. And we'll definitely get into some more negative feedback, but I have that placed for, for later on towards the end of the episode. So for fashion, I mean, like, I really don't have much fashion-wise uh, because it's just mm -hmm. all so beautiful and gorgeous, like, the entire episode. The outfits are gorgeous. I love Davies. I love the colors on her. Like, yeah, teal yeah. looks really good. Um, I love the color on Kamala as well, like, the orange. Yeah. loved her hair. Uh, it's just such a beautiful culture. Like, there's really, like, the whole episode was just 
beautiful. Yeah, I mean, I think saris are so gorgeous, right? Like, <laughs> it, they're they're just sort of beautifully constructed. They're made of lovely material, though apparently very itchy. Um, <laughs> and I mean, in general, I am drawn to really colorful scenes, and so right, like the fact that there's so much color in like so many different bold colors um, in the fashion of this episode is something that I really loved. And one thing I just sort of wanted to point out, because I noticed this, I, I didn't pay like a ton of attention to fashion outside of like the main thing that was going on. But I did notice that when we see after this, when we see Davy again, she's wearing a black shirt. So like she normally actually wears a lot of color in her regular outfits, right? She has that like orange skirt and whatever else, but she's wearing much more muted tones when she switches back to her like American clothes. And I thought that was really interesting and, and kind of wondered if that was like her again, like doing that sort of distancing herself from her negative experiences. I'm sure that um, has something to do with it. Event. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the next part would be our lines. Okay. So the first one was the conversation between, uh, well, actually in the car, Nalani, Lord Ganesh doesn't need to see my daughter in ripped jeans and a fries before guys t-shirt, but <laughs> Honestly, fries do come before guys. They should. Um, <laughs> and then, like, right when they arrive and Davy's like, auntie's approaching, don't look. And Kamala's like, where? Where should I not look? <laughs> um, tell me the truth. Did they send you home on medical leave? Are you suicidal from Accutane? And so my last one will be Davy. Some old loser was telling me that I'm too Indian and some other people think I'm not Indian enough. And honestly, all I want to do is eat a donut. <laughs> yep. I mean, donuts. <laughs> um, so I had quite a few. Uh, the first one is, I don't have an Aladdin because he just wants to be friends. That was an art clip. <laughs> <laughs> that one was good. The next one is, you mom, don't say of age. It makes me sound like a girl in a douche commercial. Okay, honestly, I thought that was funny, but I also didn't understand it. Like, I don't think that that's a thing they say in douche commercials. I've never seen a douche commercial, so, like, I was like, what? <laughs> in Well, in Crazy X, they have this storyline where one of the characters becomes a, uh, like, the the face of a douche brand. She becomes Miss Douche, I believe. Is what oh, God. <laughs> oh, and the CEO of that company is the the woman who plays our favorite character from Jane the Virgin. Who's our favorite character? Eh, Jane's friend. Which friend? <laughs> the gay one. <laughs> Bisexual one. Oh, um, God, what is it? I know, I can't do it. Oh, my God, it's something random. Is the random. actress's name Yael? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, anyway, so, she, anyway, I I got us off topic, but either way, I don't feel like that's actually something that would be in a douche commercial. It makes me think of, like... It's Petra! Jane Austen. Sorry. <laughs> yes, Petra. Thank you. Oh, thank God. <laughs> All right, your next line. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, also, though, speaking of uh, that show, um, the costume designer also did the costumes for that. I'm pretty oh, sure. Oh, really? I'm, like, 99% sure. I know someone that worked in this worked on that. I'm pretty mm. sure it's him. Um, the next one is Jewish people know how to save us Indians. We get a little bit of money and we go straight to Home Depot and buy a cement fountain, which is the fountain thing that I was talking about that reoccurs multiple times within the episode. But I, I, I was on the floor so the first I, time I heard it. Like, I, I honestly was like a little meh about this because there's right, like, I mean, it is a little bit of an in internal stereotype as well, but like association of Jewish people with wealth and thanks I'm like shit it's it's not good anyway <laughs> yes you could you could definitely see that you being maybe potentially offended by that the next one was winning over old ass teacher types is my superpower it is her superpower <laughs> and then when davy says i'm going to be an atheist who eats cheeseburgers every day with my white boyfriend <laughs> Oh, Davy! Oh, God! I think that a Ugh. that that's a line that I think that a lot of people had trouble with. Um, like they're saying that, like, like I said, her her story is telling both sides. Um, uh, but there's like, hold on, I'm getting confused with myself. Well, I think maybe what you're trying to get at is like, 
I, sometimes I think the words that we hear out of Davy's mouth, because they're like written in a TV show, are things that are for other people internalized, right? Like, mm-hmm. and I do think it's true that you do see some like internalization where people who like people who are not white or people who are immigrants and have moved, like they see they see like having a white partner as part of assimilation and like mm-hmm. being accepted in their new culture. And so I do think like it's a little fucked up that it's so close to the surface for her, right? I would call her out if I were her friend for saying that, <laughs> which I guess he sort of does, but like I think it does reflect what is sometimes an internalized state of like self-hatred. Is that, but like she also just like hasn't really found her identity yet. So saying something stupid like that makes complete sense for a teenager. That That's also true. I said a lot of stupid shit when I was a teenager. Definitely. So the next one would be Nalini saying, what idea that I love my husband less because my roots aren't showing? Thank you for saying that, Nalini. Davey said, I don't need some washed up white dude who leases a Tesla telling me <laughs> what makes me special. Leasing is still a financial commitment. (laughs) My monthly payments are very high. (laughs) (laughs) And then Paxton, which we kind of mentioned this earlier, you don't have to give me the Wikipedia page on India. Paxton, just like, take a seat. (laughs) And then uh, Pandit Raj, when he says, where do you want to go to college? And the two replies, Princeton, he's like, I will bring it up to God personally. That cracked me up. I like Pandit Raj. He reminded me of like, every reform rabbi that I've ever met who, like, plays guitar. (laughs) He kind of reminded me of, like, the people who who play in bands for, like, Christian music. So, same, similar concept. (laughs) And then the last one I had was, I liked the incense you used. It was like we were in a cannabis store. And then Nalini's facial reaction to this is just priceless, and I think that's what makes it it so funny. But Pandit Raj was into it. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. All right, so our MVP, I'm going to keep mine short and sweet. Um, I want to give mine to Mindy Kaling for writing it, but I also want to give it to Salvador Perez Jr. for being a fan-fucking-tastic costume designer. Uh, well, I agree with you on both of those, to be honest. I'm going to split mine between Salvador Perez Jr. and um, what is the name of the actress who plays Nalini again? It's uh, Porna. Okay, well, I want to give it to her, too, because I thought she was great in this episode. There is something that I, I want to talk about. And said, since we're not doing our ratings anymore, I was trying to find feedback about the episode from Indian people. But before I went out and talked to my friends about it, and this seems like it's an episode that kind of makes it or breaks it for people. And I noticed like at least a few negative reviews of this episode. And that's fine and everything. You don't have to love the show or the episode. But what I've realized is that I feel like it's Mindy Kaling in particular that gets a lot of shit for how she writes her story. Hmm. But similar in vain stories written by men are received differently. Aziz Ansari got a lot of praise for a similar episode in Master of None, where his character basically tells his parents that he's not religious, and it shows different sides of not feeling Indian enough as well. It's a brilliant episode, and I love that show, but I just feel like it's a little bit unfair and then you have the entire plot of The Big Sick, written by Kamel. Right, right. And that film's loosely based on his life as well. Worth noting that he is Pakistani and not Indian, but the film very much goes into race and religion and culture in a very similar way. So, like, why does Mindy get so much shit? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you're right that there is a gendered component. I also think that, like, so we have a friend, I don't want to, like, name any names on this, but, like, we have a friend who said to us that um, he feels like Mindy Kaling is not always the best representative of Indian culture. And I do think that some of it is just this, like, what we're talking about, this, like, complicated relationship that um, her characters and that she has to her own culture. Mm -hmm. Um, And the fact that she is so visible. Um, Kamil Nanjani and Aziz Ansari are both also pretty visible, um... But there is a way in which I think Mindy Kaling is even more visible. And, like, she has created an an empire for herself between the books and the TV work that she does and a whole bunch of other stuff. So I think it's probably a mix of her being female, which I think there's probably some intersection there, right? Like, 
women in general are sort of seen, maybe I'm projecting this because I come from a, you know, from a <laughs> matrilineal culture, but like mm-hmm. in, in Jewish culture, like women are definitely seen as like the carriers on of tradition. And you see that even like in 19th century American conversations about like women are supposed to be the, the like moral arbiters and the people who mm-hmm. bring morality to families and whatever else. Right. Okay. Like, so I suspect that there's some of that, that like, people feel she has a greater responsibility because she's female to do that. I also think that probably a lot of it is resentment because she was one of the first people, like the first um, really big like Indian American superstars. And so to have that maybe be the, the first and most prominent story about your culture that gets told might be tricky for some people and might, right. I mean, there's, there probably is some, some racism involved in the fact that that's the case, right? Mm -hmm. Like that she was able that like, that maybe her stories are more palatable because they're not, because there's that complicated relationship and it's not just a pure, like it's not just a like one-sided perspective. Yeah. I can definitely see that. I just, I've just noticed it and not even just like in doing research for this episode, like, um, I think, I feel like it comes back to like, she's a woman that's Indian and she's in comedy and it's not all that mm. like normal. Or I wouldn't say normal. It's not the norm. And like, there's a couple people like Lily Singh, who is pretty new, um, she does similar stuff. Um, I've seen her get a lot of shit. And it's similar to um, Hassan, who does the Patriot Act. And okay. he doesn't get shit for, like, saying the same stuff that Lily Singh says. So it's not just Mindy. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's a gendered component to it, because of course there is. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I, I think there is probably some complication there, too, though. I think there's probably some resentment that this very prominent and early Indian American person who is telling Indian stories or Indian American stories is somebody who has a complicated relationship to her heritage. I, I, I just expect there's some resentment there. Yeah. She's been pretty forthcoming about how her, she's always had issues with like identifying that way and, and being super Indian. Um, and she's definitely, you know, I mean, obviously she's had missteps. Everybody, everybody's had missteps. It's just one of those things like, and it's totally fine. People can not like the episode. I think it's just more when I see it from like a critical lens. I don't care like kind of like what people say that are viewers too much. But like when the critics try to be assholes about it, like I think that's when it stands out to me. Yeah. And I mean, I think right, like you don't see the conversation we're having right now where we're talking about all of the different things, factors that could go into that, you don't see that when you see reviews, right? Like, you just see it presented as black and white, like, one-sided. There's a right way. And as much as we would, like, try to think that, like, oh, you know, reviews aren't that important, they actually are very important. Yeah. Um, but, hey, season two anyway. Woo! <laughs> Either way, I'm, I'm really happy... Um, that so many different stories are being told these days, especially at Netflix. They have had missteps, but the diversity on that platform is really commendable, and they're always first to get on board and actually willing to change when they're called out. The first Hmm. season of Atypical, uh, well, it was well-received, but it had a lot of criticism from people on the autism spectrum, and for a good reason. And they actually took that and worked at it, and they made the show even better, so... I I haven't watched that show. I have heard about some of the, like, uh, kerfuffle around it. I'm not sure that I would say that, like, Netflix always... I mean, I do think they sort of try to listen. I don't think they always do a good job. I know you... I I mean... (laughs) Okay. I know that we both can agree that 13 Reasons Why is trash and also kind of like junk food to watch. I Um, actually (laughs) like... 13 reasons why um no i know you do i mean that's what i mean by like junk food to watch right like no i like me a snickers bar so (laughs) i love the first season i i thought the first season was perfect um a lot of people had issues with it i did not 
I did not like the second season all that much. The third season was really bad, but the fourth season's actually really good. Well, but I think, right, like, part of the reason I, w- I brought that up is because there were these huge criticisms around the first season, and I think very valid criticisms. I mean, you know, conversation for another day between you and I. But <laughs> uh, I also think that, like, I watched it and I, like, watched the, like, little making of or whatever. I think at the end, it was the end of either the second or the third season where they had, like, all of the cast and writers get together with some psychologist expert in it was like their after show thing i didn't watch it but yeah and honestly it it sounded very lip servicey like they were scare quotes listening so i think there's i mean maybe i'm not giving enough credit and they are trying with these things sometimes um i do think you're right that they have made a strong effort to have a lot of diversity and independent of whether they're getting it right all the time they keep trying and that is commendable um i'd just be wary of giving them too many gold stars oh i'm not giving them that many but i do (laughs) think that they try really hard as a platform and that we don't see too too much like i think they were one of the first people to actually post something in regards to the the black lives matter movement totally apologize to anybody if we offended you for whatever reason we're just trying to discuss this episode the best that we can yeah, and I think we'd be interested to hear from you, like, hear your perspectives on this episode, regardless, right? Like, Danny was sort of limited. She could look at reviews and go out to her friends, right? But we would love to hear what people listening feel about the episode of the TV show, and maybe that's something we can work in in the future. Yeah. And with that, I think we've come to the end of our show. Listeners, thank you for joining us. If you like this episode, you can subscribe online wherever you get podcasts. And you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at NHIE underscore podcast. Bye. Never Have I Ever Hosted a Podcast is produced and hosted by Danny Lowry with co-host Clara Shirley Appel. Saxon Ahern is our sound engineer and Lanier Sammons wrote our theme. Mind slot. It's Petra. Sorry. <laughs>